Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Hi. So um, I actually have um, a confession to make. Um, yeah, my name is Anna. You knew that. But the confession is that uh, I think measurements and numbers can be quite boring. I'm sorry, but it's true. I mean, come on, how much fun is this number really? This is not the most exciting thing you've seen today, is it? I hope not. Um, so why, if I think it's boring, uh, why have we worked so hard to put it on our package? Uh, and why am I here talking to you today about it? Well, it has its reasons in something far beyond the theme of this session or the whole conference, in fact. Uh, it's our climate crisis. Hours. So we must keep temperature rise below one and a half degrees, or else we're all gonna fucking die. That's an actual quote, by the way, by the IPCC, the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. You know, the, the organization that constantly sends out reports on the, on the situation in the world. No, it's not. We're just kidding. Of course not. They're very serious. So this is the actual quote. The small islands will be first, but nobody can escape. It is quite clear. I think that's also kind of scary, don't you think? We are in deep trouble. We must reduce our emissions of greenhouse gases. And as it happens, my industry, the, the industry I work for, the food industry, accounts for about 25% of those global greenhouse gases currently causing the world to heat up. 25%. And animal-based products, meats, dairy, um, accounts for more than half of the food's emissions. Actually, if you compare the emissions from animal-based food, uh, food, they are equal to the emissions from all of the world's global transports. So all of the planes, all trains, all cars, all trucks combined, they are equal. Um, or actually, animal-based food stands for a bit more. So we think um, that it's very strange that when you go on a holiday, you can easily find out the amounts of greenhouse gases it will take to get you there. Uh, but it's almost impossible to find out the climate impact from what we eat. So we think it's about time people got that information. Food producers should declare the climate impact of their food on the package. I don't know if you can see it, but it's on the package. Um, it should be as natural as declaring the nutritional value. It should be mandatory, just like the nutritional value, so that that transparency will make companies in the food industry take responsibility for the climate impact. And also so that consumers can make informed choices. They want the information. According to uh, an analytics, Swedish analytics company, every other young person could boycott a company that doesn't work with reducing their climate impact. So sustainability is not something we can ignore. We must step up as an industry. Or else you will be left behind by a generation of engaged consumers. So we obviously decided that this is something we want to do at Oatly. We want to put the climate impact of the product on the package. 
Yay, everybody's really happy at Oakley. We're going to do it. Then comes the question, how do we do it? Where's the manual? That did not spark that joyful reaction, I can tell you. Because as it happens, there is no manual. There is no standard for how the food industry or food producers should declare the climate impact uh, of their product. Which is quite important, because if you want to compare different types of food, you need to do it on the same grounds. Or else it's kind of like apples and oranges. So it needs to be comparable. Um, so yeah, okay. No standard, no manual to look in. So we asked ourselves, can we do it anyway? We, well, we, we started and uh, we found uh, three big challenges. And I thought I'm going to tell you a bit more about them. So it's what I've uh, summed up as the scope, consequences, and making sense. Okay, so first off, the scope. I think I was going to say now the biggest challenge, but no, they're all equally big. So the scope is about what do you include in the climate impact of um, of a food product. Well, of course, it's it's almost always based on a life cycle assessment, um, the climate impact from, from cradle to grave that a product uh, is responsible for. So in our case, Oakfield to, uh, to consumer, consumer in the store. But it can still vary a lot in what that, um, what that includes. Even though it's always done by, by like consultants or in our case, a company, a fabulous company called Carbon Cloud. So you don't actually do the calculations yourself, but you have to be a part of deciding what should be included in the footprint. So we, for example, thought about packaging. Should that be included? We think so because it's a big part of getting the product to the store so the consumer can buy it. But not everybody thinks that it should be included. So it can vary. And then when you have decided the scope for what you want to include in the climate data, it's the small task of collecting all that um, data that you need uh, from an industry that has not been asked those kinds of questions before. So, I mean, you try asking a French truck driver how fully loaded his truck was when transporting your products because you need to know the emissions from his truck that your products are responsible for. Massive challenge. I don't know if there's any French people in the audience. No? Good. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, especially because it's very, it's not very nice of me to blame the French people because we actually had some problems figuring out the data from our own factory here in Sweden. So we needed to get the data, okay, so how much energy uh, does it uh, take to create each and every different product that we make? So is it the same energy consumption in our production for creating oat skirt or oat spread? So we didn't know that. So we had to start like a whole other side project figuring it out. So it's not all the French fault. Um, yeah, as I said, we have our factory here in Sweden and we are uh, from Lunds University from the beginning and we're actually quite a young company. Uh, fast growing, very exciting, with new markets and new production sites and new supply chains. So it is quite the task to collect all the data you need for each and every product. And we also find out that, found out that the same product can still have a different climate impact. So take our barista, for example, in Sweden called Icafe. 
Its climate footprint in Sweden is 0.30, and in the UK it is 0.44, and in Germany it's 0.42. So it's the same product, same ingredients, but different supply chains. So they are produced at different factories, have different packaging, and uh, different transportation. So it's a big, uh, challenging task. Then, after um, yeah, getting to know this challenge, we have to think about the consequences. The consequences of putting your climate uh, impact out there. So if you're going to put bold statements, or in our case, numbers, on the package, you must live up to them. It kind of forces you to walk the talk. That's scary. Can we do it? And in the lack of a standard, and this is our way of doing it, um, the way we think is best, and I can back 100%, but in the lack of a standard, will people take our word for it? Will they question the number's credibility? So that sparked a lot of discussions internally. It's a risk. Is it worth it? Let somebody else do it. Because people can always find things that aren't perfect. Of course they could. Almost nothing is perfect. Maybe except for this view. But nothing is per perfect because things change. And that's okay. So after being a bit scared, we decided that, or remembered, that it's not about being perfect. Perfect is boring. Perfect doesn't change uh, outdated broken food systems or whatever it is you want to change. Dialogue does. Knowledge does. Transparency does. What is the worst thing that could happen? Well, it could be that somebody had a better way of calculating than us. Great. Tell us. Somebody has a lower climate impact than us. Great. Motivation. So I think the worst thing that could actually happen is that we do not act because we are afraid. Knowing what we know, not doing this was not an option. So now our consumers can see the climate impact of our products on the package, but does it make any sense? How do we make it interesting, funny, you know, not boring? I think you need to put it in a context. You need to have something to compare it to, like cow's milk, for example. Yeah, that's the old number. You remember that. We don't need to look, that, look at that again. So, yeah, you need to compare it to something. Cow's milk. We get a lot of criticism for comparing our product to cow's milk, but I think there's a point to it. You compare it to milk, cow's milk, you can compare it to cheese or pork. Did you know that cheese has a higher climate impact than pork? I'm not saying that because I want you to go home and have a big old bacon party. I still work at Oatly, can't say that. I'm just saying that to show you that there's a need for knowledge. There's a need for uh, something to compare it to, to put it in a context, make sense out of it. So no matter what your personal preferences is, I think it should be a consumer right to get the information about what you buy. So what could we do but start a campaign asking the industry to show us their numbers? asking the food industry to put their numbers on the table so we could make sense out of these numbers and have something to compare to. 
And I think the response was pretty good. Actually, we had some companies uh, contacting us, asking how we did it, and we talked about challenges. So hopefully, we will see some more uh, numbers soon on the package. Maybe not from everybody, but I think it's a, it's a positive movement. Um, and then there's the question of how did uh, the consumers react? Well, they had a lot of questions. Uh, they asked things like, is the transportation included to my country? Have you thought about the humus soil in Sweden while calculating the climate impact? It does matter. Um, how does the climate impact compare to organic milk in my hometown? So they had so many questions, and we thought it was pretty awesome because we love chatting about the climate, and the dialogue is what brings us forward. So we were happy, and yeah, they are very engaged consumers. So they, they were, they were, yeah, they had a lot of questions, but were quite positive. Great. So in conclusion, it was a monster of a challenge that did not only double their us, but triple their us, uh, and we took it on. But I've been thinking, or we've been thinking, about what the real challenge are with measurements and communication, life. So I think it is doing things, to dare to do things you think is important, even though you don't know how to from the start, or how people will react to it. We need to go into that dark tunnel without knowing what's at the end. Just do it. It's actually quite a fun place to be, and you will learn. Take my word for it. Because learning is the... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the only way to move forward. Imagine what we could accomplish if we would focus more on discussing difficult things together and learning rather than being afraid of being criticized. I think we could do amazing things. The big, the big, the, the fear of the unknown or, or not being perfect is the big scary monster and the biggest threat to humanity, if you ask me, mankind. Um, and our chances of solving climate change. So we can't just sit and wait, we must act. Um, so I just want to encourage you to, to hug that big, scary monster and just go into the wild unknown, risk something. Our future depends on it. Thank you.